What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the YBO Podcast. I'm your host, Miss Christy, Christina Royster. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E. And follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the YBO Podcast. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and watching. You're going to be one tuned in to more episodes this summer because this episode is a continuation of our Sounds of Summer series. And on this episode, we're talking all about women and hip-hop. So let's get into it. What really drove me to have this episode was a conversation I had with my dad. He apparently was re-watching or watching for the first time the uh, recent BET Awards. Um, you may have noticed this season did not have a host because of the writer strike. So pay writers because this is what happens when you don't pay writers and producers. Um they didn't have a host, so people who were there just said it was, like, one big concert, which is still fun. Um, apparently, it was still a good show, but definitely just lacking that, you know, flow that you have with award shows. And this is not going to be an episode about the BET Awards, because I could go on and on about the changes that have gone on there. But this is going to be about women in hip-hop, because I feel like they really highlighted a lot of women in hip-hop. And then it just dawned on me that's kind of where the industry is right now. There's so many women in hip hop more than ever before. And my dad texted me, who the hell is Ice Spice? (laughs) So with that, I had to explain to my 50 year old dad, you know, what, who Ice Spice is. And I really had to think about it. Like, how would I describe her? Like, if I was just like putting in the simplest terms, like her style, how she blew up so fast, I said, haha, she is a new artist from New York. She blew up last year and now Nicki Minaj backs her. So she got even bigger in the last few months, but they already are changing her hair, shaking my head. She started with a curly ginger fro. So my dad literally texted back, I'm feeling old. <laughs> and I said, me too. Hip hop is not the same. Um, then he went on to ask, who's Lotto? Who's Dochi? <laughs> who's Glorilla? I'm like, all right, I'm not about to give you a play-by-play of the BET Awards, dad. But I did have to, like, kind of put him on game. But honestly, I was like, what am I putting my dad onto? Like, all of these artists sound the same to me, low-key. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes we don't talk about some of the female rappers like Rico Nasty, Tierra Whack, Rhapsody, people who really have different eclectic sounds. Um, I really enjoyed their music as well. Sometimes, listen, recently I had to throw on (laughs) a Rico Nasty song, Trust Issues. Sometimes you just got to blast her music from the top of your speakers and just scream and let it out. It's very cathartic. You should try it. (laughs) So female rappers like that. But then we also have, I don't even know what to explain. How how do you explain this city girl-like genre. I don't know. Like, I feel like for me, I really saw the women in hip hop kind of explode with the Cardi B era. You know, for me, that was like, I think 2017, I was graduating college, entering the world. And we had women like Cardi B stepping on the scene soon after Megan Thee Stallion. Um, now I have a whole list in front of me. We have Flo Millie, Lola Brooke, Ken the Man, uh, Suki Hana. And can I just say, with the Sukihana situation recently, you can't put your hands on a woman or grope a woman or kiss a woman in the mouth or do anything without her consent, period. And what's been happening to Sukihana recently, um, how the media and how other celebrities have just been like exploiting her and um, sexually assaulting her in public and like people aren't backing that up. 
that was really foul. And I hate when people say like, oh, well, she raps about it. She blah, blah, blah. Just because somebody raps about eating pussy and, and having a uh, pussy eating contest as part of her concert, that don't mean that she um, is consenting to uh, unsolicited sexual harassment. So let's not do that. That's not cute. And that's the problem with the hip hop industry. But because did y'all also see Russell Simmons getting dragged recently? I'm glad. I'm glad people finally realize that he's a rapist. Um, but anyhow, we have all these women in the industry. And like I said, like situations like Sukihana getting exploited, you know, that still is prevalent in the industry. So on one hand, I see kind of like what I just called the city girl genre, right? Like I see just black women in particular, um, getting, you know, pumped up with BBLs and, uh, synthetic hair and nails and, and everything um sweetie i don't know why sweetie just came to mind i'm sorry but like because because sweetie we know that she's not the best female mc you know out of all the people i just named i wouldn't put her at the top of the list but she um she you know just has some of that like <laughs> i don't know how to describe it like i'm trying to be nice here <laughs> i like sweetie sorry I, I love you sweetie i love you <laughs> but um i just feel like that kind of genre where it's like they only rap about pussy and tricking on niggas and you know that's great love me some ratchet act bad act bad act bad as well <laughs> but you know sometimes i do like uh some a little you know something a little more substance to it something with a little more uh you know street credibility and so i say all of this because um at the end of the bet awards at the end of the day lotto won best female artist and to somebody like my dad who grew up in hip-hop in the bronx in the 80s to somebody like my dad, he's probably like, what, what does the world come to? He remembers, you know, Lil' Kim, uh, Foxy. So for Lotto to win Best Female Artist, I'm like, honestly, out of the list of people I just named, out of the new girls, Kylie, Bia, Koyla Ray, and I really did enjoy Koyla Ray's little fashion statement. She had a little, um, like, race suit on that had like little patches on it with all the different female MCs names on it and she had everybody from MC Light to Salt and Pepper to Lotto and it was nice to see that you know she was um giving recognition to other female artists because I feel like the 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 female MCs and the female rappers do get pitted against each other so it was nice to see that she kind of gave a shout out to her fellow female rappers um but I say all that to say like yeah, out of this list, I guess Lotto did have the best year. She went from, like, best new artist to best female artist. So um, you can take that how you want. Like, I guess that kind of shows where the rap industry is right now, especially in the female arena. But I wanted to talk about somebody who I feel like is kind of slept on or not slept on, but, like, not as big as, you know, big as a name as um, people might give her credit, you know, and that's because I'll, I'll get into, she has taken some time off for mental health, you know, but best believe like she really did her thing. And we'll talk about how she was kind of overlooked at times and uncredited, but this all leads me to talk about one of my favorites in, in hip hop, my favorite woman in hip hop. Um, you know, some of my favorites are like Missy and, and this artist that I'm going to name right now, Eve, <laughs> I want to talk to you guys about Eve. 
some of those women are my personal favorites because they kind of kept it real. They, like I said, had that street cred, but also like they could get in your face, like they could hang with the rest of them, but also like their own style. They were unique. I feel like what I was trying to get at earlier was like, all these women have the same style. Even the thing with Ice Spice, that, I'm so happy that girl's getting her bag. I really am because you know what? Like there's enough to go around. Clearly, I just named Sexy Red is getting her money, okay? My booty home brown. I can't believe that's where we come to today, but everybody deserves a piece of the cake, okay? And so, um I'm really just excited for what's happening, but at the same time, I don't want them to fall into that rut where the music industry, you know, kind of just changes your sound. Cause that was something somebody said about the BET awards, like Glorilla blink twice. If you need help, like what's going on, sis? <laughs> Cause apparently her performance wasn't really herself. Um, and I tried to explain that to my dad who was watching. I was like, no, that's not the FNF Glorilla that we came to know and love you know we want that rawness we want that realness we don't need all the glam and, and glitz and everything like that right so we'll see how things shake out but as it stands in 2023 i wanted to add this to the sounds of summer you know series because i feel like the women are giving us the summer anthems everybody's been asking like what's the song of the summer for me it's it's definitely some of these women anthems like i just saw those girls fly on a boss take off y'all if y'all haven't heard about them they're basically a rap duo. And I like to see the duos popping up. You know, if Salt and Pepper did it, like, we need some more rap duos besides City Girls. Because JT, her back must hurt from carrying the crew. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, actually, Carisha really, she the one getting that little ditty check. That's probably boosting the, the duo as well. But back to Flyana Boss. If y'all haven't met them, if y'all haven't seen them on TikTok by now, they're going viral on social media. And that's what I'm saying. It only takes that one hit. It only takes that one chance. If you're a girl out there rapping in the mirror like Issa Rae, it only takes that one hit. So, Flyana Boss, they found success with their single, You Wish. And, y'all, they ended up, like, getting so famous and going so viral because the video concept was just them running around. <laughs> they're literally just running while they're rapping their lyrics. And I have to read the lyrics to y'all. Um, the two members' names are Bobby and... Bobby from Detroit, so they're actually from two different locations. They're repping Detroit and Dallas. Bobby from Detroit and Foliana from, I hope I said her name right, Foliana? Foliana? Folion, Folion, thank you. Okay, Folion from Dallas. So these two artists, they make up Foliana Boss, and it's just them running around. And then that concept worked for one video, so they just kept doing it. <laughs> Look, you got, like I said, get your money how you can. And they're, you know, they're running with this success, so why not just tap into your market? So they're running around Disney World. They're running around Ikea, still rapping the same verse from the single You Wish. And I just wanted to read all the lyrics because it was so just nice to be seen as a black girl with the cankalon hair. <laughs> They said, I'm made of sugar, spice, cankalon, and cinnamon. Me and my bestie are the same like a synonym. I be Michael Phelps, all the brand deals I'm swimming in. You can call me Dr. Evil because I got many men invested in this pussy and this shit is paying dividends. Slap a bitch, bitch slap back because I'm feminine. Yes. But they said that um, with this new viral video, this honestly has... Um, made searches for Kankalon hair go up. People didn't know what the brand of synthetic hair was. So it's nice to be a black girl and be in on the inside joke. Um, and just, I love their wordplay. Again, very different style. The one girl has elf ears. Their song, You Wish, that they blew up for was actually part of a little two-pack EP. So I listened to the other song 
not gonna lie, I didn't like it as much, but that's okay. Like, if I just discovered y'all because of the song you wish, I'm gonna run that shit up. And, you know, if I don't like your the rest of your music, that's okay. I'm not gonna hate on them. So I just really love that we do have some unique artists like them around. Again, their name's Flyanna Boss. Make sure you check them out. Um, but then we have some other artists who I feel like Coyle Ray, Cough Cough, like people say, you know, oh, can she make it with without a sample, you know? Um, so we'll see, you know. <laughs> That's why music and hip hop, they they have a term called one hit wonders. Um, you know, there's different seasons, there's different sounds. I'm hoping that in hip hop in general, as we celebrate hip hop fifty, as people are reminded of the 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 raw talent and the realness and the roots of hip hop, as people are reminded of that. I hope that we start to shy away from all of this bubblegum pop, hip hop, BBL situation going on. And again, there's nothing wrong with BBLs or everything like that, but it's just like sometimes I just want to rap about anxiety for real. Listen, what's the call? Megan Thee Stallion, Anxiety may not have been my most favorite song off her last album, but I will say that it hit home. So sometimes you just got to resonate with folks and you got to meet the consumer where they are. But the consumer has to, we have to ask of that. We can't let the industries keep feeding us whatever they want because they already done changed Ice Spice hair. I liked her little Afro. So <laughs> that's, that's all I want to say. But I, st- I said all that to say, we're going to get into, I don't slap the mic y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to get into Eve because I was like, who really is a real ass bitch who's sexy, um, talented, a lyricist, um, one of my personal favorites, and can really remind y'all of hip-hop's roots, hip-hop's hustle, hip-hop's struggle? Who could really remind y'all on this podcast? Because I think y'all need a reminder. Because if, if if somebody says, you know, their favorite female rapper of all time right now, Slow Millie, I love me some Flo Millie too, but let's not get it twisted. Like Eve is only 44 years old or however old she is. So let's not, let's not get carried away now. They still alive and our greats are still here with us. So let's give them their flowers and we're going to start with Eve. So my sources today, Wikipedia, I'm so glad that I'm not in college writing essays and I got to use a, a credible uh, source. Well, <laughs> no, I, I do have to use a credible source, but for the purposes of, of this podcast, um, we're just using the top line from Wikipedia so I could give you her birth date and name. And then uh, a main source for me was definitely A&E's docuseries, Origins of Hip Hop. This came out in 2022 and they had an episode on Eve that was really in-depth and some other so- sources that I'll put in the notes here. Um, but let's get into who Eve is, shall we? So, Rapper, actress, fashionista, everything all in one. Um, Eve, you know, she's really respected for her skills over her body. At the end of the day, that's what everybody said. That was like the big, bold, top message. Like, if you don't get nothing else, she was very skilled. Don't get it twisted. And so right now you might be asking, where's Eve today? She's still performing. I literally was just checking her Instagram, and she's still is out performing songs with Gwen Stefani, so I'm glad to see they're still cool. And she's in London. She married a race car driver, and they've been together for like eight, nine years, and she's a stepmom to uh, this British guy, and they live in London. 
<laughs> to the bridge guy's kids. She's not a stepmom to him. She's a stepmom to the bridge guy's kids. She's, you know, performing here and there, resting, really philanthropic, talking about mental health. So that's where Eve is today. But let's backtrack and let's talk about Eve Jeffers, born in Philadelphia, November 10th, 1978. Her mother was just 17 when Eve's mom had her and her father was a musician, wasn't really around. So she was raised in West Philly's Mill Creek Projects. So doesn't get any rougher than that. You know, gunshots, hearing gunshots at night. Uh, you have to look out for predators, all types of shit in the uh, West Philly uh, Mill Creek projects. And so it was just her and her mom for a very long time. That's that's what it was for so long. Um, but then, you know, she was a, a diamond who grew in the rough, a diamond made from pressure. Her experience made her who she was. Um, her aunt taught her all about street culture. She said that her aunt actually sold drugs and Eve saw it. So that's just how she grew up in the projects. But she said that she did love attention. She loved dancing, playing violin, whatever it was. And she said that there was always music in the neighborhood, especially her aunt Karen, who lived and breathed hip hop. She would always have the radio on from the time she went to bed to the time she woke up. Um, so Eve really was exposed to hip hop and her love of the genre. She said came from women like salt and pepper, queen Latifah, MC light, some women that I named earlier. And, you know, she said what she really loved about them was that they were feminine, but they held their own with the boys. And that's exactly who Eve grew, grew to be. Eve loved having her hair and nails done at the same time. She was a tomboy. She loved hanging with the dudes. So in 1990, Eve says she she and three of her school friends, at this point she's only 13 years old, Eve and three of her school friends formed a rap group called DGP, Dope Girl Posse. I love the old, you know, trio and, 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 band, and girl band names. I love it, Dope Girl Posse. She said that um, you, they used to write to songs by ABC and Vogue and Color Me Bad. So they did talent shows. They did whatever people did back then. You know, it's the 90s, talent shows, everything. Um, so when she was 13, Eve's mom ended up getting married and her stepfather moved the family from the projects to Germantown. And she said it was very weird for her to finally have a dad. They butted heads a lot. She said that, um, she had a problem with male authority for real. So Eve attended Martin Luther King high school. And she said that she really prioritized rap over her grades. So I don't know how, but she did end up graduating. <laughs> but she says that she literally would take like three lunch breaks. She said, yeah, I went to some of the morning classes, but then I would just rap battle anybody all day long. And she said that she really didn't apply herself. She decided at 15 that she really wanted music to be her life. So she did rap battles in the ciphers and ciphers in the hallway. And I, like I said, I don't know how, but she, she graduated. She was just known at that point as the chick. They said Eve with the blonde hair that raps. Like she was that girl <laughs> around school, around the neighborhood. So people don't usually expect a female MC to hang with the guys, but she really could hold her own. And so Eve became a great battle rapper, but she really wanted people to know, like, she was also a lyricist. She didn't want to just be, you know, pigeonholed to the, the ciphers. So like I said, she managed to graduate somehow, and she knew she couldn't make it in Philly. So she ended up going to New York, and she would just sit in people's offices all day long, hoping to get signed. Like, she felt she, like she was annoying people because she was. <laughs> so she said she couldn't keep that up. And she had to finally just strip for a few months. It, it, the, so the story goes that Eve actually only stripped for two months. That's why I'm stuttering. Cause I'm like, it was only for two months. 
yet it became a big part of her story. The media, you know, once she became popular, it was like ex, 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 ex stripper. And I feel like that harkens, you know, Cardi B's story. People always talk about how she's just a dancer or whatever, whatever. But Cardi really had to hustle as well. Speaking of which, I was actually in New York City over this recent 4th of July weekend, found myself in a club in Queens, and DJ Self was DJing. And I was like, wow, remember when he was on Love & Hip Hop and wouldn't give Cardi B the time of day, wouldn't play her music on the radio? Um, It was kind of like he would just string her along with the hopes of, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, but ended up not really supporting Cardi's music and Cardi ended up blowing up. So I'm sure DJ self is mad that he's DJing in lounges in Queens now, but I was there and I saw him. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, so how, just how women like, uh, somebody, somebody in the docuseries, the A&E docuseries talked about how like, you know, yes, uh, men, they can sell drugs and have this crazy past before becoming a rapper like Jay-Z, but Eve stripped for two months out of her life and it just followed her like this. She said she wasn't ashamed of it, but she was embarrassed that, you know, she had to make ends meet after high school by doing this and she didn't want to become a statistic, she said. She said that she was a lazy rapper, though, a lazy stripper, though. She said that she would actually rap in the strip club. I'm like, girl, you can't mix business with pleasure. But she said she was a hustler. She would tell dudes, like, um, if you listen to me rap, I'll give you a, a lap dance for free or whatever. So she said it really worked out because she ended up having a lucky encounter with Mace in the strip club. And he told her she didn't belong there. Mace had just got signed um, with Diddy. So, you know, he was just stepping on the scene and she didn't even know who he was. But she was like, how did how did he know that? That I really didn't belong there. That like I was born to be a rapper. I was born to be a star. Like didn't even know her, but said that. And it stuck with her. She said she really stopped stripping right then and there for real. So um, again, just that double standard. I hated that. But she ended up quit dancing, teamed up with her fellow Philadelphian, Scott Storch. Scott Storch, this reminds me that we do need white allies sometimes. Um, and to see Eve now married to a white man living in London, living her best life. Sometimes you just got to find love and support and community where you least expect it. And it was this white man, Scott Storch, you know, just a fellow musician around Philly who really helped her figure out her next move. He was working with Jill Scott and the roots and they had just scooped him up. So he was like, yo, let's bring my girl Eve onto this. And that's really what I'm talking about. Like community. We are missing that in hip hop. Everybody's just out to get it for themselves. Right. Everybody's just trying to get to the top. We even see Nicki Minaj, like I said, teaming up with ice spice, not that she needs the clout, but why not make yourself more relevant to Gen Z, you know? So, um, to see now, you know, those kind of collaborations, people just trying to get as much money as they can, most views as they can, most followers as they can, Back then, it was really about putting on good artists. And Eve, you know, someone thought of her and put her on this track. And um, that track ended up going on to win a Grammy. And Eve went uncredited. She said that for a long time, people actually thought that song was Erica Badu. That that rap part of the song was Erica Badu. And um, that kind of put a chip on her shoulder for real. So Eve was a little bit salty about that because to go on and win a Grammy and you're not credited, that really sucks. But anyways, (laughs) after she was on that track, Eve hooked up with a small management agency and they had to connect Mike Lynn, who was in town, Scott and Talent for Dr. Dre. 
her manager, Mark Byers, picked her up for an audition for Dr. Dre. He was like, we got to go now. And she started rapping, and they were confused because they thought she was the weed plug. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. That's really sad. <laughs> but they was like, okay, so after they got past that confusion, you're not the weed girl. You're here to audition. Okay, let it, let's hear you again. And they actually really fucked with her. They really liked her music. So um, they ended up calling Dr. Dre on the spot. And Dr. Dre called her the next day himself to sign her to Aftermath. So this is where things kind of get a little hairy. Because I, you know, for y'all that don't know, my boyfriend, he runs his own record label. And sometimes, you know, I see him working as an artist, but then I see him also working as the boss. And in this situation, Dr. Dre signed Eve. Um, and what happened was he really just didn't have the time to prioritize her. So she only ended up recording one demo track when she, she flew out to LA. Um, she, she said it was really all a blur for her living from going to her mom's house to stripping to living in a condo with a bank account with actual money in it. That's her a quote from Eve. She said she felt like she arrived. She was supposed to be there. And so, like I said, she only ended up recording one demo track with Dr. Dre. It was called, um, Eve of Distract Destruction, which was, a, which was then on the soundtrack for a movie Bullworth. So, that was it. She recorded one demo. It got on a soundtrack and she was in LA for eight months, like getting impatient. Like, when am I going to start recording? I'm signed. I'm just sitting here. And Dr. Dre said she wasn't ready yet. Um, but in reality, his world was just busy with Eminem and everything he had going on. So he really didn't have enough time for her. So she said it was like a breakup. They sat her down and they were like, we don't need you anymore. And they dropped Eve after eight months with aftermath. So that was kind of blindsiding. That that really hurt her feelings. It really devastated her. She said that she had to go back to her mom's house. And she had just had this big going away party, y'all. Imagine, like, yeah, y'all, I just got signed to Dr. Dre. I'm going to L.A. Bye. Like, y'all not going to see me no more. Only to come back eight months later. That was really hard for her. She said that um, she basically was sad in the house for a long time. And her mom was like, nah, you got to get back out there. Um, in hindsight, she said that, it was all a blessing in disguise because she said she really wasn't ready. She didn't know a lick about songwriting or anything. Um, so she was grateful for the opportunity, but she was just very devastated. It's, and then, like I said, for this Roots song, so the, root, the Roots, they recorded that song, you know, uh, a few months earlier, you know, and then it ended up winning uh, two th the 2000 Grammy for, I think it was Best Duo Song or whatever, Best Collab or whatever. Um, but yeah, she said that she didn't even get to be in the music video because somehow she got the wrong address. I don't know if that was a mistake on her part or their part, but somehow she never made it into the music video, went uncredited in the song and went on to win a Grammy. So this is the year 2000 after she had just got dropped. This really hurt her feelings, put a chip on her shoulder, but it did that, that bitter, bitterness kind of motivated her. So in 1998, kind of going back a little bit in 1998, after she got dropped, Jimmy Ivan was the president of Interscope Records, and he called Eve to meet Rough Riders. And basically, the Rough Riders was for the streets, y'all. It was the late 80s. The Rough Riders was a group of niggas. And they were for the streets, um, you know, hailed uh, by DMX. And so the Rough Riders, they really needed some female energy. And he was like, 
you know, I see what Eve could do. Do you want to come on over? So she drove from Philly to Yonkers, and she said she felt like she was getting ready for a prize boxing match. She said they were going to make her battle every person in Rough Riders, including DMX. They get there. It's loose pit bulls running around. I would be scared for my life. (laughs) And so she battled everybody down, even DMX. But she can't remember what she said back then. She said it was all a blur. I was just rapping for my life. So she can't even remember the lyrics. I can only imagine what she said to beat DMX. And that's when she became the pit bull in the skirt. Right then and there, they signed her to Rough Riders in 1998. And she moved back to New York from Philly. She was like, yes, get me out of Philly. (laughs) No offense. She said she loves Philly. Like, that's her hometown. And she said she really misses cheesesteaks and hoagies. They don't have that in London. But she said that... She knew that she couldn't make it in Philly, so she had to get out. So that was always her mission, to get signed and get out. So she got signed to Rough Riders. And she said being with Rough Riders was like a hip-hop boot camp. Like I said, before she really didn't even know how to structure a song, write a hook, write a bridge. She really worked on all those skills while she was with Rough Riders. And she made her debut in 1999 with the Rough Riders Anthem remix. And that's really when things popped off. She said that she was like a little sister, all the Rough Rider guys. It became a family. They were very protective of her. And it was like a brother-sister relationship with DMX. And she really misses him a lot. Um, Swiss Beats was there, you know, at the time working with Eve. And so he said he wanted to give her, like, a party track that would really take off. And it was, what y'all niggas want? Mm-mm. So what happened was that song really showcased her identity. It blew her up. She it not only did her music stand out, but her look stand out. out this, at this time, she had the short blonde cut, the paw tattoos on the titties, like iconic, iconic. We just love a Philly chick. We love Eve. So then there was her uh, debut album, Let There Be Eve. She said she wrote all the tracks, including Love Is Blind. That's what I love. People still writing their own lyrics. That's very imperative in hip hop. I feel. But that's a different episode, (laughs) y'all. Eve wrote all her lyrics, including Love is Blind. And she said that song was about a real-life domestic abuse case. Her friend in high school, they were only like 16, and her friend would come by her door with black eyes, and she was like, this is not cool. So she put out this song, and it really resonated with the female audience. So it was great that she kind of had, like, that rough-around-the-edges, like, tomboy can hang with the rough riders, but also, like, putting out songs that mattered and really touched women like uh, Love is Blind. And so she maintained her core Rough Rider audience, but Love is Blind took her to a different direction, y'all. Hip-hop at the time, this is late 90s, early 2000s. How many female rappers can you name from that time? Foxy, Lil' Kim. That was it, okay? And at that time, it was like each group, you know, Junior Mafia, uh, Rough Riders, even um, the name's blanking on me. The name's blanking on me. Ashanti's group. What was their name? Ugh, whatever. It'll come back to me. But um, each group at rap group at that time kind of had, like, their first lady. It was only one lady out the whole group. It wasn't too many female rappers at the time. So, seeing as how hip-hop was all Foxy versus Little Kim, they were already going at it. Enter Eve. It was not a welcome party. And that's really what I was getting at before. I feel like the industry be put, pitting women against each other. Going back to Nicki Minaj, why has her name been in so many different shade room beefs from Bia to Lotto? Why are you fighting with 23-year-olds? That's not cute. Get You're too old for this. And I really do think it is kind of social media and also men and hip-hop egging it on. So Eve admitted that she wasn't even stunting them. She said that she, while she was sexy, she didn't have to say it in her lyrics. And, you know, Lil' Kim was definitely out and about (laughs) eve she was sexy but it was subtle 
and she was giving more girl next door vibes that they didn't really have. So every, um, you know, like I said, every group really had their woman, but Eve shined. She didn't let herself get struck in, stuck, sucked into the drama and she really carried herself well and she held it down. So by 2000, this is when the train really took off. Rough Riders went on tour with Cash Money and she said that she wasn't emotionally ready for this big tour. This is the thing. I feel like people are not prepared for stardom. Um, going back to Ice Spice, people have pointed out how she could use a little artist development. Um, call Tiana Taylor, girl. Tiana Taylor is helping everybody, okay? Who She also won a BET Award for Video Director of the Year. So call Tiana Taylor. <laughs> She'll fix it. Um, she got Summer Walker together, which I didn't know if anybody could get that girl some stage presence. So... <laughs> anyways um you know so at this time 2000 how old is eve like in her early 20s i I can't do the math y'all do the math and so she wasn't emotionally prepared to be on tour with all men she ended up bringing her home girls from high school on the tour she said which was a big mistake because she couldn't drink and smoke enough to keep up with them and so she said this was the first time she really had anxiety attacks she said she was crying every day of the tour the first time she really this was the first time she really felt like separate from her friends and that she noticed she was changing and my god she said she was drinking through it she was really numbing her pain with alcohol. And so she said during this tour, she had to fly to New York. Mind you, she is just getting started. This is like, she's just blown up, like sensational. 2000. She flew to New York for a quick video shoot and she didn't want to go back on the tour. And she had a breakdown. And this is 2000. Nobody's talking about mental health the way they are today. This is 23 years ago. And so people were like, a breakdown? You had a breakdown. What does that mean? But people didn't understand, like, why she left the tour, but she just uh, skipped out on the last two days of the tour. So she said during her anxiety, she was really praying for happiness and the success. She was like, what's the point of having all success if I'm anxious and it's, it's not helping me any? So she said that she finally started saying no more, and she started moving in the direction that she wanted. So she found herself back in the studio with Dr. Dre. And can we just rewind for a second and go back to the hustle, the grind, not giving up, trusting the process. You went from stripping to getting signed, to getting dropped, to getting signed again, like all in the same year, really wild. So at the time she found herself working on her second studio album with uh, Dr. Dre Scorpion. And she was a really big fan of No Doubt and Gwen Stefani. I always wonder how that collaboration came apart like that is a dynamic duo and i'm like how did that come to be well she was a big fan of Gwen Stefani and no doubt so she reached out and said would you get on this track let me blow your mind yes so um she wanted to do something different she said specifically she wanted to do something that people did not expect did not make sense and that's why i said it's great to see like ice spice out here getting her check because ice spice out here making songs with taylor swift Taylor Swift has not really touched hip-hop like that, so that's great to see. Um, So shout-out to Ice Spice for being the one to do it. Like, she's getting on Teen Vogue, everything. She's crossing that that mainstream over to the pop side. But anyways, don't get it twisted. Eve did it first. So Eve, she was like, I don't want people to be like, oh, that's a feature I would expect. Gwen Stefani was something nobody expected, especially the crossover of genres, like I said. That wasn't happening back then at all. This is alt-rock. And this is rap, and we're not 
putting them together. Well, guess what? Eve did just that, and it ended up winning her a Grammy. And she said that's something she will just always live to tell. She's, she just loves that the fact that she actually did like all the writing on um, that, that track. So she was really excited about that. She said that um, she wrote that all by herself, and it was a defining moment in music because we didn't have women like writing their own lyrics, rapping their own lyrics, winning Grammys. Um, and it was just really a defining moment for not only music, but hip hop and that era, like the two thousands, like they went on to have so many songs, Gwen and Eve love them. And so she ended up having her third solo album evolution executive producer on it. Like the girls aren't doing it. Like make sure that you're getting your royalties says, make sure that you are like Eve and can rest on your loyal laurels. So anyways, every rapper at this time was in a movie. And at that time, she became one of them. She was apprehensive about acting. I told y'all she had a little bit of anxiety. So she said she was more comfortable on stage than rapping. But she worked with an acting coach and was able to relax and got it together. And in 2002, she auditioned for Barbershop. And y'all know that catapulted her acting career. She played the perfect role because it was perfect for her because they said, like, it was so natural. She was a homegirl. She was the girl next door. And that's exactly what her character was. And let's not forget that Eve's acting career resulted in her having not one, not two, but three seasons of her own sitcom, Eve, on UPN. Like, you have all teenage eyeballs in America in the 2000s looking at your sitcom. That is not a small feat. Like, we need to really give give Eve her credit for that. So she fell in love with acting. She went from having anxiety to falling in love with it. She really was, like, MTV's darling. She, she was able to feed the streets with records, but also had, like, popular success. So... I just feel like E, when people talk about like best female rappers or whatever, it's always Lil' Kim and Foxy, but don't forget Eve. So she even had her own clothing line, y'all. I'm reading my notes like, damn, a clothing line? I forgot about that. <laughs> so finally, she ended up taking a break. You'll notice, you know, uh, I'll say the 2010s, Eve kind of took a break. She was enjoying life away from the industry. She said, the industry can drain you. Sometimes you got to get quiet and go regroup. In 2010, she played a gig at Gumball 3000 Rally, and that's basically like, uh, you know, race car driving slash concerts in between. So she had a gig there, and that's where she met the CEO of Gumball 3000, Max Cooper, um, fell in love, and married him in 2014. And it's been a big adjustment ever since, becoming a stepmom to four children, moving to London. She said every year it gets better, so she is learning and growing into it. Um, she had to get her family's approval. She said, no matter how grown you are, you always got to get the co-sign from your mama. So it's good that her family loves him and she's happy with her life. And so in November, 2017, she also had a chance to co-host the talk. She said that was a moment that was really big for her and her growth and made her more comfortable and vulnerable as a person. At the end of the day, she's still the same Eve. She's healthy. She's happy. She's sexy and successful in a male dominated industry. So I just wanted to give some shout outs to Eve, some horns, Philly girl, tomboy, yet still sexy and just everything that I would aspire to be. Eve is amazing. And so, um, I'll I'll leave y'all with this quote. She said, so many moments of my life, um, Yet every moment is so defining. Nothing is a mistake. So she really took everything from growing up in the projects to, um, you know, struggling through high school and only wanting, only only having tunnel vision for a rap career, uh, becoming a stripper, getting signed, getting dropped, 
all these things, hanging with the guy. She really held her own. And that's just where I want us to put our focus and remember the roots of hip hop. Remember that hustle. Remember that struggle. Remember the people Eve had to walk so that Flo Millie and Megan Thee Stallion, all of them could run. Okay. So I just want to pay homage, 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 whatever, however you say it. We've talked about that on the podcast. <laughs> I guess it's if you're feeling fancy, it's homage. Um, but pay homage to the women in hip hop and really showcase uh, one of my favorites, Eve. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. Again, you can follow me, Miss Christie, M-I-S-S-C-H-R-I-S-D-E-E on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at the YBO Podcast. And I'll be back with another episode. Bye.